0: listening to the weekly message at woods chapel blue springs where it doesn't matter who you are or where you are coming from everyone is included accepted and loved for more information please visit us at woodschapelbluesprings.org we're talking about parenting i I want to take you back uh to your childhood let's go back to our childhoods for a moment how many of you uh, remember this phrase? When I get older, I'm never. <laughs> have, have you ever said that? No. Never, never said that. Yeah, my daughter. Yeah, I'm going to tell a story about you in a little bit. So, uh, I wasn't going to use your name. I ran into you. Out. Sorry about that. So, I'm, I'm younger, and I'm maybe 14 years old. And, uh, I loved basketball. Uh, didn't have a whole lot growing up basketball was my thing, and I was raised in a house. Now, thankfully, my kids aren't raised in the same house, but my dad was so ridiculous about having the house clean that he would get really, really mad at us. My kids, so, so, so I've overcome this, right? And uh, so growing up, the house had to be clean, and it wasn't always clean. You know, when you're 14, maybe things aren't always clean all the time, and I don't think I had done dishes or something, and you know washer uh, his name was Michael and so that was like my chore and we didn't have an automatic one and so uh, I've not done the dishes for probably a couple days you, you know how that gets when you're young and uh, I come home my dad's just mad I mean he's human and he's mad uh, we get in this argument and you're in an argument with your kids now I've been about this stature since I was probably 13 I was an early sprouter so when I got to 14 I thought I was big enough that I could like take them on right so, I made the, the smart decision to get a bit of space and be like, Anyway, uh, they're not done, and I, I, I push back, and he's like, Fine, and then you're grounded from basketball. Right? That's the worst thing you could possibly do to me, is ground me from basketball. So, I'm mad, and I'm irate, right? and he's being a horrible parent, because who cares if the dishes are at the time. Who cares? The dishes are clean. And so I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I'm frustrated. And we get into this big just battle. We're going back and forth. And finally, I get to the point, you know, and I say the phrase
1: You know, when I get older,
0: I'm never going to be like you. Right? You do this? This has been done to you? And of course, I'm nothing like that at home. We'll get into that. We'll, we'll call that a cycle. We'll get into a little bit of that. Uh, but I got mad and I leave. And uh, uh, I pack a bag to a friend's house, right? Like I'm, I'm done. I'm not having it. Uh, I'm, I'm so mad. And I remember when I said that, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm really not going to do that. I'm not going to be like him. Doesn't matter how house, you know, I'll clean the house. How house to clean is whichever way you want to say that. So, uh, but I, I want to dig into some of these phrases. Today we're starting a three-week sermon series. On parenting Now, not all of you, um, make, maybe not all of you have kids, but all of you had parents, right? Parents. We all have parents, right? That's something from one another. That was a bad joke. I should have said that. And so, 16 notes, Mike, 16 notes. Okay. So, over the next three weeks, we're going to be focusing on parenting. But under the, the cliches that we use. So, today is when I grow up and I'm going to be like Next week, we're going to talk about um, do as I say. See? And we all know it because it was all said to us, we'd probably say to our kids, uh, and the third week is that children should be seen, not heard, right, I mean, I was, sometimes my great uncle, who was like my grandfather, because both my grandfathers passed away, uh, before I was born, he was like my, my, uh, my grandfather, and we'd get in a room, we'd be there for holidays, and oh my gosh, he said that to me all the time, today I'm going to focus on that part of, when I grow up, uh, I'm not going to be, Now, I believe it is our intention, to do that, or to not do that. However you want to say that. That when we're younger, right? That our kid, uh, that as kids, we look at our parents and we see all their flaws, right? And we're like, we're not going to do that. We're going to make that better. It's kind of like kids and you look at other parents. And you're like, man, my kids are going to act like that, right? And then you have kids and they act like that, right? You just see like, you, you, we have these plans and we think we're going to do things. And it just doesn't. But I think our intentions are. Um, and, and I'm going to spin this to a positive perspective. That I, the story I told is a very negative perspective. Or we're not going to be our parents when we grow up. But there's a positive attribute to that too. And the positive attribute to that is that when we grow up, uh, us when, before we were when we were younger, now that we're adults, hopefully we're doing it better than our parents did, right? And hopefully our kids will do it better than us. I mean, that's the dream and that's the goal, right? The very first parenting class I ever took was at a church, and we teacher's mouth, was, uh, I'm going to tell you a few things. First two things are, your parents messed you up. I was like, you have no idea, right? That's, that's the first thing. And the second thing was, and you're also messing up your kids. And I was like, man, you nailed two in a row. So, uh, But it's true. I think that is the premise of life, is, is that we, uh, our parents do things, and, and generations before us have done things, and those things have a tendency to pass and to move along, and to go from generation to generation. Right these are the things we call cycles. Name the thing that was in your family was it violence? Was it verbal abuse? Was it other kinds of abuse? You know these things tend to pass on from generation to generation. And our default is to follow those same patterns. But I believe we can make a difference. I believe we can change those patterns. So I believe there's a positive uh, way to spin this when we say, I'm not going to be you when I get older, and I hope that my kids are not like me when they get older. I really hope that they can supersede. Because if The premise is that we're all messed up, we're all broken, right? We all have our struggles. Uh, There's stories we read about this, you know, ancient wisdom that's been going on for, for millennia. Uh, that we all struggle, and um, none of us are removed from that struggle. Uh, but hopefully, um, we can pass on to our kids that, that, not that we're not inflicting struggle or pain on them, but that they can deal with it. That's really my goal. I realize that I'm, I've broken my children. right? They're, they're, you know, they have their own That I can teach them how to deal with that brokenness and that struggle and not have to hopefully repeat the pattern and end up in the same cycles. That is my hope and dream. And I believe there's a better way of life. And that better way of life is both the tangible, there are intentional ways in which we can uh, do things. Uh, there are intentional ways we can, we can practice things to, to be better. I'm a big proponent of counseling. If you've not been to counseling, you should, and then you can really learn how messed up you are. Uh, uh, you know, I do a lot of leadership development. The first thing I teach leaders is you have to know self. And in and the process of knowing self, so when I say self, I don't mean just you and who you are today. When I say you have to know self and we really dig into it, it's you are a part of a greater thing, a greater family. There's this phrase in the Bible, you are a part of a great cloud of witnesses. There's people who have gone before you. You have, uh, you have aunts and uncles and grandparents and great-grandparents and all these things. You yourself because the point of our faith and our spirituality is that we become better versions of ourselves through the guidance of Jesus and Christian teachings, right? Where we access God, where we access spirit. That is why, that is why we are here, right? And, to, and we become better to and help those around us and meet needs of people. But it starts here, right? Now, we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to get it all worked out. We just finished a series talking about the kingdom of God, where it's not about perfection. Uh, uh, the kingdom of God is not utopia. The kingdom of God, there's still evil and struggle that wins over evil, that we're able to make a difference in the world. And I believe this is why we are here. This is our purpose of being here, is working through that stuff. So, in leadership development, when, we, when I train leaders, I teach them to get to know self and we give self assessments. You ever take one of these, like an Myers Briggs, something like that? And, and we, we talk about those things, but it's not just who you are today. You see, in the makeup of who you are today is this long, long, long history of people who have passed on from generation to generation. There's a biblical term, passing on from generation. Sins, right? This just means that there are struggles in life that if we don't look at them, if we don't address them, if we don't do something different than what our parents did or the generations before us, that we're going to end up in that same cycle. And then when we say we're not going to be like our parents, guess what usually happens when we're negative and angry about it? What do we become? Our parents. I woke up one day and my, I already called her up, Sakira, so my youngest, uh, she's uh, not having a good morning and we end up in a little bit of a battle, and we're we're not talking, we're fighting, and we're having a discussion, and she's very mad at me, and uh, that phrase comes out of her mouth, you know, when I get older, I'm never gonna be like you. And and I'm like, all of a sudden, I was like, oh. And it it took me off saying that as a kid, a lot. I just told you one of the many stories. But she says that, and I'm like, ooh. Uh, All of a sudden, you have a lot more compassion for your parents, like, oh, that's how that feels. You do this? Have you ever had somebody say that to you? That's how that feels, right? And then, uh, in, in our household, we've broken all cycles, right? So, so then she proceeds to get a backpack and she walks out the front door and heads down the street. And so, <laughs> and I remember going, I've done it. You know, you, I don't look like my father. Like I've become my father, right? And in my hand, I could feel it like turning into the mechanic. Oh wait, that's the Never fader. So. A little Star Wars reference right there, but uh, that, that speaks to our soul, I think. At some point in your life, even if you're not a parent, at some point in your life, you wake up one day and it, 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 if you had a good relationship, I'm, I'm really happy for you. Um, I've never met you, so please come me about that with your parents. No, I think we have good and bad times with our relationship with our parents. But, there's always, but I think all of us have been in that conflict where we just don't know what to do. And, and we're so stressed out and we're just like, we're not going to do that. We're not going to be that. And then one day we wake up and under the stresses of life, financial stress and kids and running around and all the things we have to do. We wake up one day and we're like, I've done the thing. I'm doing the thing that I said I wasn't going to do. And I want to invite us into a space this morning that we don't have to, to do and be that. There's, there's a different way. The first thing I'm going to tell you is the first way do that because there's two aspects. Right? There's the tangible things we can do. If you go to counseling, there's all kinds of ways we can reprogram our brain. And if you go to counseling, and there's there's it's the, it's the weirdest stuff, but it works. You can blink your eyes certain ways, you can tap, I and mean, there's all these practices which we can reprogram our brain. Because the issue is that we were trained a certain way. We're just like computers. When it's bad in, right? When it's negative in, or maybe it's some unhealthy things in, and if our premise is that we were messed up and now we're just passing that along to our kids, right? We have to do something intentional. Develops into what? Bad. Out. So it's we're programmed that way. So we we by default in our programming and who we are, if 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 it's a struggle and we're going into it, it's gonna be a struggle coming out of it. So what's the thing that changes? One is awareness. Awareness of who we are, where we come from and our family history. That's one of the first steps. That's a very tangible thing. And I want to encourage everybody to seek counseling, uh, to know more about yourself, know about your family unit, and you know about your family history. That is a massive step. And the healing process human being process. There's also this other side of it. There's a spiritual nature to who we are. I believe that we're born. There's tangible, there's physical. That, that we came in, you know, we're born and, and, and we grew up into who we are today. But the other thing we're born with other than just ears in the mouth is that we are born within something else. Inside of us is this thing we call spirit. We call soul. And I believe that spirit and soul is connected to everybody else's spirit and soul. I believe we're all connected. And I believe there's something else apart. God, goodness, wholeness, love, grace, mercy. These are words we use in which we use to describe this thing that we are all a part of. And we can take tangible things to, to help fix our brain, but we have to take other steps, spiritual steps, like spirit, or maybe you define that as heart. And so Jesus is the person. While he gave us tangible things to do to help the needy, to, to, to clothe the, the naked and to feed the hungry, there are also deep spiritual things in our life that we have to do in order to help heal ourselves both tangibly, mentally, but also in our hearts and spiritually. Now, there are a lot of examples. This is the Bible. Okay. And I'm going to do a series next year on what the Bible is because I think a lot of us, um, how many years have you had to read your Bible every day? Uh, I did, and I had to memorize Bible verses, and I can still memorize most of those verses. Uh, but uh, for a, a little bit of my life, it was about memorizing those verses, that I never knew that that there are things in here that speak to my spirit and my soul. That there are wisdom. And why why, why why do you say ancient wisdom, Like I mean, I, I talk about ancient wisdom because these struggles we have, this is not new to us. There are People thousands of years ago had the same struggle. This is why we're in similar cycles and patterns, because we're not dealing with the spirit invites us into being, right? We use modern day techniques and science and technology, but the spirit of everything has been discovered thousands of years ago, and its origins are in here. And so we can read about this, and I believe it speaks to another. Also, there's modern books. I listen to podcasts. I hope when you're here at church, I hope you feel that same spirit. I hope it speaks to your soul. I hope there's, there's something that there's wisdom in it. Uh, I, I hope it reaches inside you and pulls you in a, in a direction. But there are a lot of stories. This book is made up of a lot of stories. Some are thousands of years old. Most of actually all of them are thousands of years old. Uh, It goes way back to the time of Jesus and then before, right? And so there's the Old Old Testament where where the Hebrew people, it's the history of their people. And we read a lot about it. And then there's the New Testament. And Paul writes a lot of books. But there's a lot of stories. And we learn through stories. And so we read these. And there's a lot of stories of parents doing things uh, that really mess up their kids. Now, how many of you heard uh, Father Abraham? Have you heard that term? The reason that term is used is because Abraham, Abraham and Sarah, were the father and mother of most faith and religion. Right? So the big three are uh, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Right? All three of those world religions, there are others, there's Buddhism, but those three world religions all originate with Abraham. Okay? Abraham and Sarah are trying to have kids. They're struggling. They're they're not able to have kids. And so Abraham's like, hey, uh, there's this girl. She works for us. Maybe I should have a kid with her. And Sarah's like, yeah, you should do that. Now, as a side note, probably not the best plan. Like, probably probably wouldn't encourage you to do that. Uh, Not probably. i am encouraging you not to do that. Uh, But this is is, is the thing that they decided. Sarah couldn't have a kid. Uh, he's gonna have a kid. So there, this lady that works for them, her name is Hagar. Uh, they have a baby, and Hagar and Abraham have a baby, and they name him Ishmael. Okay. So Sarah. Uh, now you can imagine this dynamic. Um, so they're all living together, right? And uh, Sarah gets jealous, as as one would, because Hagar and Ishmael are taking up all the time, and Sarah gets upset, and so. Sarah and Abraham make a really bad parenting decision. And they get Sarah and Ishmael out. Like, here's a backpack go. Now, that feels a little dark, doesn't it? It's probably a bad parenting decision. There's some pain in that. Who knows who Ishmael's descendants are? Ishmael's descendants are our brothers and sisters in the Islam faith. This is why there's so much tension in the Middle East. Because then Abraham and Sarah did have a kid, Isaac, right? And the Hebrew, which is also our faith, comes from that lineage. And so to this day, thousands and thousands of years later, there's this massive infighting because somebody was a bad parent. There's been more wars a bad parenting decision than probably anything else in the history of time. More conflicts. All the Middle East, not all, but most of the Middle East stuff is about that bad parenting decision. Like we can boil it down to that. Okay, that's where all that stems from. Of course, there's but a really bad example of parenting. So then Abraham and Sarah have a kid. They have Isaac, and I'm going to tell the story of Isaac and his wife Rachel because they um, they have kids, right? And so what does is Isaac? Uh, there's, there's a brother of mine that got kicked out into the desert, right? So he seen some really bad parenting in his life. And so um, what happens in his family? There's more bad parenting that happens. The story goes on that uh, they have twins, Jacob and Esau. You ever heard the story of Jacob and Esau? Uh, Jacob and Esau, uh, Esau was like me, lots of hair, it describes him as. And so Jacob uh, was, uh, the, the, the Bible describes, Pretty man, right? And he liked hanging around with ladies and cooking and stuff. And so, uh, in modern-day terms, we say Jacob was more feminine and Esau was more masculine. Not that I'm more masculine; I'm just having to be hairy, and he describes Esau's hairy. And so, uh, for sure, it's true though. Like, so this is not in my notes. Just in case you're curious. So, so uh, Esau's super hairy. So uh, the the pattern is that that, that the the Jacob. The twin and his fire against Esau because she didn't like Esau because Jacob hung out with her and did stuff with her and, and her lady friends and Esau was out you know hunting and doing stuff so he's out in the hunting and uh, Esau's so hairy that they, they put a fur shirt on Jacob so that his dad was going to Esau and he's going to get the family blessing so he like steals the family blessing right and so we see another pattern and, and, and the mom was involved in this really bad decision, right? That parenting to do this. I can give you example after example after example in the Bible. And it's there not as a model. Like don't have kids with your employees and then send them out into the desert, right? That's not, that's not, so that story's not there for that reason. That story is, is there as an example of what not to do this way. Uh, Rob Bell, who's a great theologian, says there's north stars that guide us into the direction we want to go, and there's south stars. They still guide us in the direction we want to go, but they guide us from the standpoint of, they say they show us an example of, don't do that. So I think all of us have experienced that in our lives where we have done things, or things have been done to us, where we're like, ooh, I don't want to experience that again, or I don't want to do that again. I don't want to repeat that same cycle. But there's a lot of these, Bible. Now, what's intriguing to me is that when Jesus is born, so this is probably a thousand years later, Jesus is born, and Jesus has some very interesting thoughts on children and being childlike. This morning, because I believe Jesus' words... have so Jesus is a north star, right? He points in the direction we want to go. A lot of it is stories in the Bible, a lot of south stars, right? A lot of things that, that that's an example, and we're like, we, we're not going to do that. And so, words, and if you ever have a Bible that's, and there's ever red letters in it, those are like Jesus' words. Now, he didn't write them down, but somebody who was speaking them for him, those have a much greater impact, right? Those always lead us in a good direction. And so the, Jesus said this. So Jesus has been traveling from town to town. And so healers would go from town to town and they would speak with people and they would meet in homes and, and he would gather crowds and he would just talk to them. He'd tell them stories and they'd have dialogue, right? And he'd go to town to town. And so people were being healed, right? Probably both physically and physically. And so Jesus had this following of people. Now Jesus had his, his friends and uh, the Bible it calls them the disciples. A disciple just means a follower of. And so people who followed Jesus, the 12 disciples, and they were kind of his handlers. Okay, so they would go places and they would kind of like sometimes put Healer. If you're known in your community as being a healer, uh, the, the thought process at the time was you want to get close to Jesus, right? We were, there's this one lady who wants to get close to Jesus. And she just wants to touch touch his um, garment, right? Because she believes that she's going to be healed. So this is the thing that happened in Jesus's life. People followed him to touch him, or uh, you know they wanted to embrace him, right? There's something there's something very healing in in good healthy touch, right? Uh, I'm a hugger. Not everybody is, but I'm a hugger, right? Brittany Lada is not. Uh, so Brittany, and I do this, the side pat. You guys, but I'm a hugger. She gets so embarrassed when I do that. I'm a hugger, and when I hug somebody, oh, it's so healing to my soul. So this is how people saw Jesus. If I could just touch him, if I could just hold him, if you could just take my kid who's sick, and just... So this is the dynamic when we read this story. This is what's going on. So the people brought children to Jesus, so they're bringing their kids to Jesus, hoping that he might touch them, right, to reach out and to heal and hold them. And so, the disciples, his handlers, Jesus' handlers, shoot we are like, nah, nah, Jesus ain't got time for this. Get out of here, right? But Jesus was irate and let them know it. So, Jesus is mad, right? He's like, so he says, don't push these children away. Don't ever get between them and me. Like, he's mad. Going on. He says, mark this, right? Mark this, write this down. Put this in your head. Remember this, don't forget. Unless you accept God's kingdom... In the simplicity of a child, you'll never get in. Then, gathering the children in his arms, he them and bless them. Now, you can read that one way, and you can read it as, we should be like children. And um, most of the men in the room, our wives would accuse us of that, correct? Right, yeah? And most of the women in the room, you know, um, we would also accuse our wives of that as well. Like, my wife can't load a dishwasher, it's fine. Uh... That is not an invitation to be childlike in, in that way, right? In the humorous way as in reverting. That invitation to be childlike is inviting us to explore our path as when we were children. Because what are, what are children, right? I mean, when we're young and, and we're kids, uh, we're not as tainted, right? We're not as jaded uh, in life. Uh, Hopefully we're exuberant. And and, and the point of becoming like a child of late is to think back to when you were a child. Or another way to say that, journey back to when you were a child. Journey back to childhood and remember the things that happened to you. Right? So, it's not just about being childlike, being innocent, or however we describe that. I believe Jesus is inviting us because he says the kingdom of God looks like it's. Of God. I think I missed that part. Yeah, these children are at the very center of the life in the kingdom. I don't know if that's are or not. That's important, though. In the kingdom of God, the center is children. For those of you who have been here a long time, our focus from day one has been children. That's why we have a lot of them here. That's why we have a daycare with over 100 kids. Jesus says in that statement, the kingdom of God, the very center of it is based around children. So not only are we hold children up to focus on children, but he invites then his disciples and the people that are listening to him to go back to their childhood. That like, you need to remember what it's like to this. And I think it's not just that we go back to innocence. It's that we go back to our pain. We go back. We go back to the things that happened to us. We think about those, we investigate those, we realize those in our life, and then we change them. We make a difference. We change something in our life. Because every single one of us in this room, we are all children. Now, whether you had a strained relationship with your parents, maybe you don't even know your biological parents, some of you have been through that. Some of you know that struggle. But we're all children. And, and while, while we're all children, and, and there's things in our lives that we can do better, and there's a tangible, there's things that we can fix, and we can, we can act differently, the place that Jesus leads us to, the Spirit, what he's talking about is we obviously can't go back and be children. Right? Jesus likes to confuse people because they're like, Jesus, should we be kids? When Jesus tells them you need to be born again, he's like, we've got to go back in our mother's womb? That doesn't physically seem possible. It's uh, a real Bible story. That actually happened. Jesus is, is inviting them. He's not inviting them to a physical space. He's inviting them into a spiritual place. Things have to change on the inside. Your heart has to change. We have to do things differently. And while we all have physical... Right? Whether you're biologically... We, we have some people in, that were in our life that are our parents... It's important to remember that we are all children of the same source. That energy, that focus, that source that we call God. And us, we are a part of that. To be the child of or a children of means we come from that. So we're not just a biological person that came from two different sets of DNA that created us. Inside each of us, we are children of God. Which means we come from that great spirit and that great spirit is inside of us. And you should know that that spirit, that Holy Spirit, is the way we describe that. That is the thing that loves us unconditionally. It doesn't matter who we are, what your flaws are, what your insecurities are. It loves you. just And it's when we associate ourselves that that is our parent. And just for the record, God is not a man. Just so we're very clear, God is referred to by Jesus as both masculine and feminine. Right. So God is both father. Right, this is biblical. It's in the Bible. Jesus said that. He says, God is like a mother hen gathering her chicks. Right? Jesus refers to God. Him. So, so instead of holy father, what if we thought of, of, of that thing that we love and like as a holy parent, both mother and father? And nurturing. And what if we come from that? So while we may have flaws and maybe we've repeated cycles of our parents, but inside each of us is something good. Something that is not flawed. Something that is amazing. But the problem is we don't always access that. It's there. It's in our soul. It's in our being. I always point here because it's centering. And guess what's at the center of your body? Why don't we use the term heart? It's more location than anything. Heart simply means our center and our core. Our spirit. This is the thing that is within each of us that ties us directly to each other and to God. But the problem is, is we don't do the things to access our soul that encourage us to access soul, spirit, God. And there's lots of ways in which we describe this. I was talking to somebody just before church, and we were talking about prayer and meditation. And uh, while well, well, there's these two different worlds, prayer uh, into a list that we ask God for things, right? God, have been good, maybe some things, right? Which is not what prayer was. If you look at the Lord's Prayer, it's not what it was. Meditation, I think, is a better descriptor of when you're reflective and meditative, right? When you're open to that God's spirit is all. Right? Uh, I like to talk about God's spirit as just a Wi-Fi signal. It's just everywhere, right? Like this is a thing in which we are, we are accessing. And so the, historically, in ancient wisdom, uh, there's, no, there's not new ways in which we access this. The ways in which we access we've been doing them for millennia. Now, the way we change our minds and brains, there's great new ways in which we can do that. But the way we access spirit is through ritual. Okay? So we have rituals, sacraments. There's different ways to describe these. But the way we access is something ritualistic that we've been doing. And the people before us, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, our aunts, our uncles, throughout the history of time and all faiths, there are rituals in which we do in which we access that great thing which we are aspiring to be. So the way we do that is through reflective time. So when I grew up, I mean, we, we had to pray, right? There's this sacred art of, of or this practice of fasting that we, that we don't do often, right? Prayer, fasting. Uh, guess what another way to soul and spirit. Generosity. Now, what I mean by generosity is when we take the things that we've accumulated, right? Um, the things that we have, and when we give those things away, guess what that does? Bible. So when we give of ourselves and tangibly give things away, it's one of the ways in which we access spirit. Generosity is a way in which we access that. Because it's a physical, tangible act of taking what we have and spreading it around to everybody else. When it's a metaphor and it speaks to our soul and spirit. And when we do that, I, I believe that there's something inside of us that connects with people around us. So there's prayer, meditation, generosity fasting, there's all these things, and we don't talk about these things often, do we? We're not really taught these things. If you grew up Christian, maybe you were taught some of these things, but we're we're not taught, and and I I want to invite everyone into a place today where we can access soul and spirit in an average, tangible, everyday way. Now, the brilliance of Jesus is, you know, of course they prayed, and they, they meditated, and they were generous, right? All these things. But Jesus gave us a way, or He likes to shed some light on a way in which every day in a ritual can access God. In the Christian world, we call this communion. Now, some of you may have grown up uh, taking communion in church, and, and the church I was in, uh, we had these silver trays, right? We passed away and we, we took the shot, you know, and uh, that's what it felt like, right? This little kid shot, that's what. If you're lucky, it was real wine. Anyway, um, uh, and so we did that to bread, but, but communion into, um, a very mechanical ritual. Now, while we're going to observe that today, and this, this little thing, each one of you has one of these under your cup. Actually, every one, other one of you has one under your seats, a little cup. And in the top part, there's, there's a little, juice, as some of you call it. And underneath, there's a little bit of juice, um, Cheese it. It's like a cheese it, but it's, you know, it's a wafer. And so, uh, yeah, behind you, in front of you, next to you, we did every other one because I thought it would be enough. And it's not. So, <laughs> details are not my thing. <laughs> and so, uh, Jesus taught us a new thing. He didn't teach us a new thing, He taught us to, to look at a thing that we were already doing and think about something else. So, This thing we call communion, it's both spiritual and physical, right? So we sit down to feed our bodies, right? We sit down to eat. And it's in the act of It's like, hey, you know, to go along with this, when you eat, because you're going to do it often, right? We got to do it every day. Most of us do it several times a day, right? Even though we shouldn't. And we, we sit down to eat. And when you eat, don't let it just be about feeding your physical body. He like, when you eat, when you, when you take bread and, and wine, when you eat, let it also be about your spiritual nature. And the language he uses is, don't forget the thing that I'm getting ready to do. Don't forget the way of life that I tell which is about generosity and sacrifice. And of course, he would be taken and sacrificed on the cross the next day. But Jesus was telling them, every time you sit down to eat, so not once a month on a Sunday morning when you're eating a little Jesus and a little wine, like Every single time there's a way to access something else that's going on in life. And the way we do that is through, like, I, you know, Jesus, when he, when he sat down at the table with his friends and his disciples, but he took a piece of bread and, and he didn't hold it up and go, God, please cleanse this bread, take all the blue sugar, right? Like, Jesus held the bread up and what did he do? What did he do with the bread? Who knows? He gave thanks. What if our prayers, when we access God, is more about giving thanks and than asking God to fix stuff or to fix our lives. But he gave thanks that he, he drank wine twice. That's my favorite gospel. And so uh, he, he takes. they take the, the wine and the bread and they just pass it around. He's like, when you do this, let your conversations, let the things you intentionally talk about, let them be about making our communities. Better. Let them be about loving each other. Because what are some of the things we, we do when we get together? How many of you have that group of friends that when you get together, what do you do? What do you talk about? Gossip. Ah. <laughs> Gossip. So I believe we have a choice. We're going to eat and drink every single day of our lives multiple times. There's something sacred. There's something historical. There's, there's something in nature in the fact that let our conversations, even when we eat, let us access our soul and our spirit. What's cool about today is today is communion, uh, World Communion Sunday. So there are several billion people in the world today that are going to observe this same practice. And while we're going to do this in a ritualistic style this morning, with people across the world, there's some kind of significance and beauty in that. I want to remind you that when you're out doing the average mundane, uh, last night, how am I doing, ooh, sorry. Last night, over the weekend, we were at a barbecue competition, okay? And uh, I got to brag a little bit on the team. We took first place in ribs, just in case you're curious. But we're there. There's all these people, and there's music, and there's lights, and a lot of you were there. You came out, and you had. Or people are drinking beer and wine and hanging out, eating good barbecue. Let me back up. Eating the best barbecue, and I have an award to prove it. Eating good barbecue. Guess what our conversations were about? Anderson's are sitting right here. I'm like, we're starting a church out of a bar. In different ways, and the thing that we're gonna to do to do that is around food and wine. This is the commission that Jesus gave us when we observe this thing we call communion. This morning, and go ahead and open your wafers and open your cuffs, it's okay. This morning, as you eat and drink this symbol, maybe remember that Jesus invited us, invited us into a different kind of life. One that not demands. But invites us into a space of generosity, and of love, and of gratitude. And as we drink from our cups, this symbolic wine, that symbolism, the wording Jesus used is, remember this is my blood, that life is hard. And it's not about life being easy. We're not here to make life easy. Life is difficult, and it's hard, and it's painful what? When we do it together, we do it in community, oh, it's a whole heck of a lot better. You're going to go to your place today. You're going to watch your cheese games. You're going to party with your friends. You're going to barbecue and grill, drink beer. You're going to do all the things today. My invitation is this. As we continue to do church here and as we continue to do church in bars and in homes and in restaurants, I want to invite you to a place that let your conversations. I hope one of your stories today as I go to this Chris Means calls this the hippie church. I hope your hippie church, who talks about God maybe in a little different way than you've heard it before, I hope your conversations are are about that. Man, there's a group of people. They love everybody. They flash a big old rainbow behind them every Sunday morning, right? We love all people. Yeah, get it, get it. That is what we're about, and that's different than maybe the ones who have gone before us. Maybe our parents and grandparents, maybe they didn't have those same values, and that's okay. Because we want to do it different, intentionally. Anyway, as you eat and drink, as you think on those things, let's go to God in prayer. God, I just want to thank you for the opportunity, God, to remember these amazing teachings that, you, that you, you share with us. Help us to never forget those. Help us to remember that in the average mundane act of even eating, God, that you are with us and you are a part of those conversations. God, help us remember that another way we access that is generosity, and that's when we share our food with those around us. Plates And our glasses, God, that has an even bigger impact to who we are and to our soul and spirit. God, this morning, um, you know, I said this to you in, in prayers, on my knees, as a kid. I was never going to be my dad. I never wanted that for my life. But yet I found myself in the situation, God, I... I want to pray that all of us in this room, while we may have said those words, help us to truly be something different than our grandparents, or maybe our fellow brothers and sisters who we call Christians, maybe the things that they haven't done. Help us to know that you are our only heavenly parent, and the things which we aspire to, that you have shown us the way, a better way. that On a daily basis, through quiet times, prayer, your food and wine. God, thank you for that. Help us to always remember to be and to do that, God, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's Hope you'll join us again next week.